0: welcome welcome to the porch i'm richard grund this is where we get back to basics the red letter basics examining the word of god focusing on the book of acts church and doing so we see how the early church served the lord porch online bible study always takes a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of god based on scripture based on the word following their example because our desire is to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. We find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created, because the church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus... And you want more, then you're welcome to join us on this journey. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, we hope that you will and that you'll pray that others do so as well. Go to firefalltalkradio.com on the main page. There are ways to do so. If you need more information, just reach out to us. We'll be glad to answer any questions you may have. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Thank you to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe there so that you know when a new Bible study or porch light, there'll still be some coming, go up. Follow us on social media. There's ways to stay connected with us. If you want prayer, we're here to pray for you. If you'd like to pray for others in the community, let us know. We have some community prayers tonight, Um, some health issues, financial issues, various things going on, praying for the community. Uh, Pray for Stacy in Texas, Joe in Michigan, um, Dawn in South Carolina. A lot of things going on, folks. Just pray, even if you don't know their name. The Lord does. We also want to pray for Maui and the people in Maui that have suffered this horrific tragedy. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. We thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for being our Abba, our Papa, our Daddy. And how much you love us. You loved us so much that even after Adam and Eve did what they did, you made a way for us to be reconciled to you. And that way was Yeshua, your only begotten son. Thank you. Thank you for that kind of love. We don't deserve it, but we gladly take it and accept it. Lord, we thank you for what you did on the cross. You paid for our sins. You wiped away our debts. You brought us back into right relationship with the Father. You sent back the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to teach us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for doing what you do. I know you're doing what you're supposed to do, but we don't want to take that for granted. So thank you for teaching us and encouraging us and putting up with us. We ask you to protect the technology tonight. Watch over it. Watch over everyone listening, their homes, their families, their pets, their possessions. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for America. Lord, we need you. We desperately need you. We need your blessings. We need your favor. We need your power. We need hope. All of our hope's in you. Sometimes this world beats us down and weighs us down, but we're here tonight to overcome that. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever it is you want to do tonight. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So here we are again, Bible study, open your Bibles tonight. Another lesson inspired by things I've seen and from things I hear in prayer going to be a little more traditional in its teaching so just follow along and let's see what the holy spirit's going to do go with me to second timothy chapter 1 Paul an apostle of Jesus the Messiah by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Messiah Yeshua to Timothy a beloved son grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Messiah Yeshua our lord very personal, very intimate. This is wasn't meant for the general tur- church. This is a personal letter to Timothy. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded as in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So this is a personal letter that we're allowed to learn from. From Paul to Timothy, Timothy's going through a rough time. He's under attack. On account of your true faith, and consecration, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you. Stir it up. When in doubt, shake it out. Stir it up. That Greek word for stir up <clears throat> excuse me, means to kindle up the fire, to add fresh fuel to it. You can't let a fire burn out. You've got to move the embers around. You've got to feed it. You've got to stir it up. You're not going to make it in this world, and you're never going to be useful to the kingdom of God if the Spirit is not flowing through you and burning in you. And if the gifts are neglected and ignored, they don't cease to be available to us, but they cease to work in us. I'm going to say that again. The gift of God is irrevocable. The Holy Spirit is in you. But if you don't stir up the gifts, if you don't use the gifts, they're not usable to you for the kingdom. First Timothy 4.14, do not do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the eldership. Obviously, Timothy, excuse me, having a little allergy issues with this weather. Obviously, Timothy had maybe a fear issue, maybe a lack of self-confidence fear of failure, fear of rejection. I don't know. Those could all tie in. But he's constantly being told by Paul, hey, fan the flames. You need it. The Spirit's work is not an automatic. It must be cultivated. You must seek it. We see that in Acts 4.31. After Peter and John have been arrested, and they come back, and they tell the whole story. And when they prayed, the place where they was assemb- they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. It means they had no fear to speak up. So the gifts of the Spirit, which we haven't talked about a lot in a while, but the gifts of the Spirit are vital to our spiritual walk in a fallen world, and it's especially vital from ministry. And you may say, well, I'm not in ministry. Yeah, you are. We're all supposed to be ministers of the gospel. We are all supposed to be telling people about Yeshua, discipling them, sharing with them. That comes from the Spirit within you. First Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Yeshua accursed, and no one can say that Yeshua is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And what that means is unless you're born again, the Spirit's in you, you're not going to say Jesus is your Lord. The enemy will never do that. They will dance around it. They will find other things to say, but they will never acknowledge that Jesus is their Lord. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all In all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Means it's not for you, it's for the body, it's for the church. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. He can give you one, he can give you all of them, but he decides what you get, when you get it, and how you get it. Somebody showed me a video of some Charismatic event where they were just passing out the Holy Spirit as if it was candy and trying to get people to move in the gifts and putting on a show for the cameras. And I'm sorry, that is not how it works. The Holy Spirit distributes to each one individually as he wills. Go with me, 1 Corinthians 14. I'm gonna jump around here. Verses 1 through 15, verse 12, and then 18 and 19. Paul is establishing a major component of his ministry and his teaching. You must be filled with the Spirit. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries." But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation to comfort men. Two types of tongues there. One is your heavenly language with which you communicate to the Father through the Holy Spirit. And the other is prophesying to the assembly, to the church. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation to comfort men. He he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Understand the difference there. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. I may have shared this when I got to Christian heritage. By that point, once I moved down, I'd been filled with the Spirit, been moving with the gifts, got into the church services and sometimes I would give a message in tongues that Shelley would then interpret or vice versa I have a prayer language with which I pray and intercede and uh, commune with the Lord Excuse me a second here I'm gonna have to cough and then choke on the water I just drank. Anyway, verse 12, Even so, since you're zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. The gifts are not meant to magnify you, to edify you. They can edify and strengthen your spirit, man, but the purpose is for the kingdom, for the church. Verse 18, I want to th- I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I'd rather you speak five words with my understanding. I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Meaning, spontaneously speaking in tongues, I've seen people do it. Okay, why? Are you interceding? Is there a demonic presence there? What are you doing? If you're drawing attention to yourselves, eh, you just failed. Pick up your parting gifts on the way out. But that doesn't diminish the need for the gifts. They're vital to everything in the kingdom of God. They have not left. They have not ceased. The Holy Spirit is still here. The church is still doing its job. We need the empowerment of, of the Spirit, through the gifts and the fruit. But if they're not properly used and replenished by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, by the anointing within us, they will become powerless in us, and they'll fail in their purpose. I mean, what good is it to have a machine that's not plugged in, or a a car with no fuel, or I'll even go this far: a weapon without any bullets. What's the point? You're going to wave it around. That you're going to hit him with it. What are you going to do? We need the constant flow of the Spirit, like we saw in Acts, and we've seen Paul t- talking to Timothy about and to the church in Corinth. How do you stir it up? Prayer, praise, praying with others praise and worship, the certain music that I can listen to and worship along with that will stir me up, get the Spirit flowing. Larry and I were praying together yesterday or the day before, and I said, you know, I shared a revelation that the Lord gave me, and boom, we were off to the races. The Spirit fell, and it's a great feeling. It's like putting your finger in an outlet but instead of hurting you, it energizes you. It it gets you going. Even the Lord had to take time in prayer and get a constant supply of the Spirit. So that's what Paul was teaching. That's what Paul prayed for, and it's what he expected. Ephesians 3, starting verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, from whom the whole family and in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Messiah, which passes knowledge, That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Where does it work? In us. To him be the glory in the church by Messiah Yeshua to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's what it takes to make it in this world. You are not going to make it without the Spirit, the infilling of the Spirit and the gifts and the fruit that go with it. And I've seen people that deny this and attack me for this. I've literally had people telling me that because of what I teach and the whole thing about tongues and the gifts and the casting out of demons, that I am moving in the demonic and the satanic. And I've tried to warn them that attributing the gifts of the Spirit to Satan, is blasphemy. But here, he's dealing with Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. No fear. No fear, Timothy. I know what you're going through. No fear. No fear, brothers and sisters. Power, dunamis, love, agape, love, and a sound mind. The Vine's complete expository dictionary said the word fear in this scripture means fearfulness from which we get fright, and it's rightfully rendered fearfulness in Second uh, Timothy one seven. The spirit is not given us by God. We're not given a spirit of fear. We're not made fearful. It denotes cowardice. It denotes timidity, being timid instead of being bold and strong and faithful. It's never used in a good sense. John fourteen twenty seven. peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Red letter basics don't let it be afraid. What are you afraid of right now? Be honest with yourselves. Probably nobody else is in the room with you. Or if there is, it's somebody who's worshiping and praying with you. What are you afraid of right now? What are you fearful of? The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says fear is a natural emotional response to a perceived threat to one's security or general welfare. It ranges from a degree of intensity, from a sense of anxiety or worry, to one of utter terror. It can be a useful emotion when it leads to appropriate caution or measures that would guard one's welfare. On the other hand, fear can be a hindrance to the enjoyment of life, if it's induced by delusion or if it lingers and overpowers other more positive emotions, such as love and joy, perhaps leading to an inability to engage in normal activities in life. In the Bible, however, fear is perhaps more often than in popular culture regarded not as pure emotion, but as wise behavior. The fear of God, the fear of an eternity without God, but fear is real, and we we've talked about this before. Some people say, "Well, fear is false evidence appearing real." No, time out. If there's a bear, who's hungry and very angry, running towards me, that fear is real. I have a fear of being mauled and eaten and being hurt which, of course, is going to trigger the Spirit and whatever the Lord allows me to do at that moment, but that's real. Sometimes fear is perceived. It's real to the individual. But we can't diminish or demean somebody because they express a fear. What we need to do is take them to Scripture. We must know the Scripture, and we must have the Spirit in us to give a word of wisdom or revelation, knowledge. Maybe there's something in that fear that you'd don't know and they're not willing to tell you. Maybe they were abused. Maybe they were put into a situation as a child and, and fear came on them. I've heard stories ministered to people that were uh, put into frightful situations. They went to a haunted house or they played with a Ouija board and they became afraid and got imprinted by the fear and the spirit behind it. There's so much going on here, but the fact is power, love, and a sound mind will deal with it every time. That power is dunamis, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, the inherent power to reproduce itself, needing constant activity, constant reproduction. That's what we get in the English dynamo and dynamics, the branch of mechanics dealing with the principles of motion or active operation, Just as a dynamo needs to be in motion to produce power, so we need to stir up the flame of God in our life, just as He's telling it to Timothy. If you were honest with me, and I was in the room with you, and you can do it by email, maybe we'll bring it out in the open. Are you on fire? Or are you afraid? What's going on in you right now? See, my job here isn't to hear myself talk, though I get blessed by this by working on it and hearing myself say it out loud. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, so I'm learning too. But my calling is to prepare and train the remnant to get them ready for what's coming. That love is the Greek agape, divine love, unconditional love, which is not natural in humans but is given to us by God from which we replicate it and give it to others. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It's not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Well, his love never fails. Ours has moments of failing. But our prayer is to have divine agape love, to be patient, to be kind, to be generous, to be humble, to be courteous, to be unselfish, to be self-controlled, to be righteous, to be sincere. See, all of those things, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all those things, the, the fruit of the Spirit, they can only be done by the Spirit. Self-control, people that don't have self-control There are different issues. Maybe there are physical issues, health issues, emotional issues. But whatever is, if you don't get it under control, the enemy is going to take advantage of it. Oh, you can medicate it. All that does is mask the symptoms. doesn't solve the problem. Go Go to Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace. We have shalom with God through Messiah Yeshua. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love, hope, Holy Spirit. When you look at the Scriptures, especially when you're speaking them and hearing them out loud, from beginning, and Paul was consistent with his message. He didn't vary. Through everything he taught, the Holy Spirit was key to his teachings. Romans 8, starting verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If God is not for us, who can be against us? Personalize that for yourself. If God is for me, who can be against me? What enemy can be against me? What spirit can be against me? What what thoughts, what emotions, what can be against me? Nothing. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is he who condemns. It is Messiah who died and furthermore is also risen, even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted. A sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, in what thing, Everything he just mentioned, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Nothing, natural or supernatural, no trials, no tribulations, no condemnation, no distress, no persecution, no famine, nothing in this world and nothing from the supernatural world can separate you from the love of your heavenly Father because of what the Lord has done. In his love for us. 1 John four seventeen and 18. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Which means we're not going to be fearful in the day of judgment. We're going to stand there strong and tall and smiling. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love. The perfect love casts out Fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love and this fear is the fear of eternal condemnation and separation from your heavenly father if you if, if you have made him lord of your life and your name is written in the lamb's book of life then there's no fear you're fearless when it comes time to stand before the great white throne, when it comes time to be judged. John 14, starting verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, we could probably stop right there and do a whole lesson. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, the Ruach HaKodesh, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come for you. We have no fear of abandonment. None what so ever. But the Helper, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You cannot do any of what I'm saying without the Holy Spirit in you. That upper room fire that fell on the members of the early church and the disciples and all the people waiting, that fire got passed on and replicated. It's a personal fire. And it helps us to be fearless in doing the work of the kingdom of God to prepare for the final fire. Power. Power. Power pouring out of us, moving, action. There's nothing stagnant about serving the Lord. There's nothing dull. There's nothing meek. If the Spirit's moving, so are we. And that's what Paul's trying to remind Timothy of. He knows this. Timothy knows this. He's been around. He's seen it. He's heard it. But because of everything going on right now, he's forgotten. We all need a reminder. Let me say that again. We all, y'all, we all need a reminder from time to time. We forget the enemy tries to make us forget. Now, where where is Paul at this moment? He, he's encouraging Timothy while he's chained in a prison in Rome under arrest by Nero, awaiting execution. And he's praying for Timothy. Because Timothy has not abandoned Paul as almost everybody else did at that time. Timothy has sincere, unhypocritical faith which is born from his spiritual heritage. That's what Paul was saying in the beginning there. His mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois are Jewish, the Messianic believers. Acts sixteen, if you want to look it up. And Paul, the apostle Paul, is his mentor and spiritual father. Timothy needs to be reminded of his ordination and the laying out of hands and all that the Lord has done through him. He needs to regain confidence, not just in the gifts, but in himself. He needs to be reminded of the strong, firm foundation he has, which I said before leads me to believe Timothy had a fear of failure. And he was dealing with failure. He's been put in charge of the church in Ephesus, and things have gone wrong. Look at First Timothy 4, starting verse 12, and this is a point where everything's going good. Paul has left, but he's put Timothy in charge in his place, basically telling the church, hey, he represents me. I'm still here, but he's in charge. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the "'Believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. "'Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. "'Do not neglect neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, "'with the laying on of hands of the eldership. "'Meditate on these things. "'Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. "'Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. "'Continue in them.' for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you so he's put Timothy young man Timothy newly ordained Timothy in charge of this exploding church in Ephesus and things didn't go so well there's trouble well let's let's get real folks not everything's going to be good all the time Everything will be God all the time. But if you're in ministry or you're trying to serve the kingdom, everything's not always going to be good. There are going to be people that will turn on you. There are going to be people that one minute speak your praises and then criticize, condemn, and try to destroy you. Been there, done that. Got too many shirts to prove it. 2 Timothy 1, starting verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed, of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. And I think right there is the issue of what's going on. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or Paul his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. I think what happened, and this is just speculation. At this point in the church in Ephesus, Paul's been arrested. He's had some detractors. He's had some people working against him. Things are not working out with, with Timothy. He's become intimidated by the opposition to Paul and to the gospel and possibly the, the, the other leadership, and he's maybe he's been threatened and he's become defensive. He's just been put in a tough position. Again, I know what that feels like, but I'm a different personality and When I say everyone's abandoned Paul by this point, they've not only abandoned him the churches the the leaders the people that he has spent years with they're now against him, and maybe they did it out of fear maybe they were you know if if you know the Romans or the Sanhedrin or the Jews are they' you know, getting on them and threatening them, and they think, well, I need to I need to separate myself from Paul and from his, his uh, clone here, Timothy. I need, to, I need to be backed away so that they don't think I'm a part of this group. Well, that fear is cowardice, and it's the only time it's used in the New Testament, and it has no place in the kingdom of God. Cowardice is an unwillingness to act in a situation of danger or opposition because of fear, avoiding the source of one's anxiety or fear rather than dealing with it directly. Instead, God gives a spirit of power and of love and of a sound, disciplined, controlled mind, a mind where you control your thoughts, a mind where the enemy has not gotten in to take over your thinking. Virtues that are supplied by the Holy Spirit because Timothy's going to need it. Because as I said, we see in 1 Timothy 1, Paul's got to leave, but he's going to put Timothy in charge. Maybe it was a test. I don't think it was. I believe he believed in Timothy. But this exploding church that Paul has put his heart, soul, and sweat and tears into, has got some false teachers. He's got some enemies. People like Paul make enemies. Hymenaeus and Alexander, they brought false teaching and demonic influence into the church. Then you have Ephesus the temple of artemis or diana you've got all this stuff going on and in the middle of it the enemy's gotten into the mix second timothy 2 starting verse 15 be diligent to present yourself approved to god a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing The word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of the source, who have strayed according to the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Hymenaeus was messing up the church by saying, hey, The resurrection's already happened. It's a spiritual thing now. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 5. Now you may understand we've used this section a lot, what it means and how you get to Paul saying this. I charge you, therefore, before God and Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, who will judge and live, who will judge the living and the dead, at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables." But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Preach the word, be ready to take a stand. Understand that it may be uncomfortable and there might be some suffering, and there is, will be a time where people won't want to hear a pure word. They're going, to be, they're going to want their ears tickled. They're going to be regal, the stories and the fantastic things. And they don't want the basics. They, they don't want to talk about getting people saved, healed, and delivered. The other side of the coin is if they don't do that, if they'll, they'll pull you away from the spirit. And they'll pull you away from those things. And before you know it, they'll pull you back into the law, pulling back into legalism. The enemy is so brilliant, diabolically brilliant. He creates two extremes. And then he just manipulates the extremes to batter the people in the middle that are doing the right thing. Sound teaching is essential for our walk and for spiritual maturity. It's not always going to be tolerated, and I think we're seeing that now. We're seeing churches reject actual belief in the resurrection, actual belief that Jesus came here to die for us on the cross, and the blood, and all those things. They're going to seek out teachers that will tell them what they want to hear, what makes them feel good. Brothers and sisters, endure. Don't be seduced to compromise. Keep going fearless. Keep going. Psalm 34 verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What are your fears? Make a list. Take this scripture, put it on a piece of paper if you still do it the old-fashioned way or do it in your notes on your iPhone or something on your computer and your tablet. Take Psalm 34 verse 4, Cut and paste it or type it out, I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all my fears, and then start listing what your fears are, and begin to speak out loud. I've been delivered from I've been delivered from and then live it, and then walk it proverbs twenty nine twenty five The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Romans eight fifteen, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out Abba Father. Psalm twenty seven verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I think we pick up fear as children. Fear of the dark, fear of rejection, fear of failure. I think it all goes back to our formative years, maybe even to the womb passed down to us by our parents. I read a story that made me think about that. A little girl and her father were returning from the funeral of their dearly loved mother and wife and some kind neighbors invited them to spend days with them but they so they wouldn't be alone in their house with all the sad memories however the father for whatever reason decided it would be better to go home and that night the father placed the little girl's bed next to his but neither could fall asleep Finally, the child said daddy it's it's dark i I can't see you, but you're there, aren't you? Yes, dear, Daddy's here right next to you. Go to sleep. The little girl finally dropped off to sleep, and in the darkness in the depth of sorrow, the father in his tears cried out loud, O heavenly Father, it's so dark, and my heart is overflowing with sorrow. But you're there, aren't you? And immediately, there came to him a passage from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am is your God, the great I am. Fear not. He's with you. Don't be dismayed. He will strengthen you. He will help you. And he will reach down with his righteous right hand and lift you up. He will hold you. There are moments that you're going to feel darkness like that. There are moments that you're going to be afraid. Don't be ashamed to admit it. It's natural. We forget. Like Timothy, we forget what he's already done for us. We forget the Word. In that kind of sorrow or, or, or pressure... You forget. I know I have. I've had to be reminded. I've had to open the Word. I've had to turn on praise and worship songs where I sing scriptures. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. If you don't know the Word, and if you don't open your Bibles, and if you don't take notes, you're not going to know where to look in a moment of trial or tribulation or stress. When your brain freezes up on you, your spirit takes over. When your heart is breaking and you don't know where to turn, And you don't want to hear from anybody, you don't want to touch anybody, you don't want to go out like that father, you'll hear a scripture that'll draw you back, that'll draw you into the light, that'll draw you towards him. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust, I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Jumping down to Psalm 56, verse 10 and 11. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I will put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Be fearless. Don't be foolish, but fearless. Know who you are. Know who your Abba Father is. Be confident in God's protection. Be confident in his direction. Be confident in the presence of the Holy Spirit in you that you've not been abandoned. You've not been forsaken. Whatever you're going through, he knew it was going to happen, and he sent what you needed at that moment, and at the end of it, on the other side of it, you go, oh, that's why I went through that. It wasn't comfortable while I did, but now I see that I'm better for it. I trust Him. If you're dealing with fear, the Holy Spirit is the delivery agent of the Lord's remedy to you. If you're a fearful person, that is a bondage. That is something that will always hinder you, and you must seek him to take it from you. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I have read this scripture before, and I want to end here. And I want to see what the Lord says in dusk. Romans eight thirty one. What, what shall we then say to these things of God before us? Who can be against us? My hope is not in man. My hope is not in politicians. My hope is not in a system. My hope is not in a denomination. My hope is not in a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, an evangelist. My hope is not in some singer. My hope is not anything but the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. My hope is in his word. That's where my trust is. If I need to know how he thinks, I know his word. They need to know how he feels about something. I know his word, and I can't be afraid to tell the truth as long as I tell it in love, and its purpose is not to demean, destroy, or build me up, but to edify the Lord and bring them into salvation, into freedom, into deliverance. Fearless. I saw a post today, and this kind of inspired this, somebody I follow. And it appears that they've gone back to their roots. That's the Hebrew Roots Movement. And in doing so, are going off into the law. Let me tell you something. And I collected some notes and decided it wasn't what the Lord wanted tonight. If you live by the law, you'll be judged by the law. And if you fail in one aspect of it, you fail in everything. I'm not going to be judged by the law. I get to do everything I do by choice because I love him. But when I stand before him, I'm not judged by the law. I've been set free of the law of sin and death. Fear will make you do things destructive. To yourself and to your life and to your family. Fear will cause you to say and do things that you cannot retract and undo. Fear will cause you to dwell in darkness when the light is right behind you. Flip the switch. So be fearless, be confident, be trusting, be filled with the Spirit. Father, I really don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. You do. Your Word does. Your Spirit does. So I want to take a moment here for you to minister individually to everyone that is listening to bring things to mind that causes fear. Fear of death. Fear of losing what they have. Whatever it might be, Lord, we ask you to use the subtle, gentle heat of the Spirit and bring it to the top. No pain, no torment, no disruption. Just bring it up. Those words spoken to them by a, an unthinking parent, an unloving parent. Things done to them. Let it come up and be gone. Let as your fire draws it out, when it gets to the top, it just burns it away. Draws it out slowly, but quickly. Destroys it. Your children need to be fearless. We need to be filled with the perfect love, that agape love. We need to be able to walk confidently and stand strong and be able to give a defense of why we believe what we believe and who we believe in, to be able to stand up for who you are. In a time when people are backing down, they're compromising, they're going the way of the world, they're letting the world in, which is letting Hasatan and the fallen in, And they're no longer useful to you. But we are of the remnant. And we commit to be useful to you. So bless your children right now, Lord. Bless them. Touch them. Heal them. Deliver them. Heal the wounds in their heart. In their lives. Heal their marriages. Heal their relationships. Make them what you need them to be in this time, in this hour. And I pray all these things from my heart in your love, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Be fearless, brothers and sisters. Know that he loves you. Know that he's with you. And know that the word is there for you and we're here for you as well. If you need prayer, please do not hesitate. To ask. If you tell me something in confidence, I only put out exactly what needs to be put out for people to pray for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.